I think that was like point number three. <laughs> but I, 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 this morning, I, I want to leave plenty of time for us to continue um, to minister to one another, to minister to the Lord. But I, I really do mean it that it's just like an, um, an application to the things that I've been reading and just watching it um, around us today. It's just been something so beautiful. And so I want to, I want to leave space for the, for the Lord, don't you? Don't you want to leave space for the Lord? I think we make our plans and we um, prepare our hearts and, and we come with something, but we should always make space for him. And, and so this morning, I want to leave space. And so um, thank you for responding to that. I, I do believe it pleases God's heart. And this morning, if you're looking for a title for, a, for this message, um, the message is bless the Lord, right? Bless the Lord. And I, I share with you that little sentence or so about what I believe this message is all about, but... When you hear that word, and when I hear that word, um, bless the Lord, uh, there's so many different thoughts that could come to my mind, and it's throughout Scripture, but in this psalm, it, it's really prominent. It just says, um, it, it's a call to come and bless Him. And when, when somebody says, hey, I want to bless you, I want you to think for a minute, what does that mean to you when someone says, I want to bless you? You know, in Christianese, that could mean I want to give you some money, Right? Especially if you're like living by faith, you're a missionary, you know, and you, you've come for support. Say, I really want, my, my wife and I really want to bless you, right? The immediate thought is like, okay, cool, you know, that some of my, my financial needs are going to be provided for. Um, when, when I say to you, hey, I, I'd love to bless you. What do, is there any projects around your house or can we get a team of people to come over and just what? Bless you, right? And so if this is kind of our, our thought process about the word bless, and it's not wrong, by the way. I mean, I, I man, come on. I mean, it's, it's wonderful to be on the side of blessing others, and it's wonderful to be blessed by others. But when you think of blessing God in, li- in light of what I just shared with you, isn't that kind of a disconnect? Right? Does God need our, our money? No, he invites us to come and give, right? And, and we do faithfully, and he blesses us in return. Um, does, does God need us to do him a solid and fix some stuff that's broken in the world? You know? Like, hey, God, I want to bless you by feeding this person or doing this thing. No, he doesn't need us to do that, but he invites us into it. So the idea of blessing God as though he's, like, weak or as though he's bummed out, like, you know, oh, I wish my children would bless me today, um, you know, or, you know, like we bless God. And he's like, oh, man, I just needed that today. Thank you. It's just so contrary to the character and nature of God. Are you with me? That God is just fine. God is perfect in all his ways. He's eternal in all his ways. He's good. So this idea of blessing God is, is, is a little bit different than the idea of me blessing you or you blessing me. The idea of blessing God is really, really simple. The idea of blessing God is praising God and thanking Him, right? That is the, that is the posture, and that's what we were doing today, and we will continue to do. And, and that is, interestingly, the wrap-up of these Psalms of Ascents. Today's the last Psalm. I thought we had one more, but I, I was wrong, so you don't get blessed with one more. You know, this is just it. But it's profound the way that these Psalms wrap up. If you remember all the way back to 15 plus weeks ago, we began in Psalm 120 and the psalmist was not in a happy spot, right? It was like, I mean, basically like, oh, I live in this terrible place. This is a, this is a paraphrase. I live in this terrible place where everybody is violent and lies, right? If you look back on Psalm 120, you'll see it in there. This is people of violence and people of lies. And they, I want peace and they want war. 
And I think we all together were like, yep, that, we feel like we live in that same terrible place, right? And so it was this journey for the, the people of God to go from where they, they dwelled, where they lived, where their cities were, where, where they were to upward to this place of God's presence, where they were going to go to one of three feasts. And in one of those three feasts, they were going to be able to repent of their sins. So the first one was literally the Psalm 120 was a call to repentance. They were going to come and they were beginning to prepare their heart as they made their way to Jerusalem. They were going to be able to repent and receive forgiveness for their sins. They were going to be able to fellowship together with the people of God. It would be like, oh, hey, there you are, right? Like you see one another in these three times a year. Isn't it good and pleasant when people dwell together in unity? Okay, good. <laughs> and so, and so they, they, they get to do this, and that's where it starts, but where it ends is so profound, right? Where it ends is in this place of, of blessing, in this place of receiving that presence of God and bringing it back with them. And so I'm going to just share with you a little bit on the, along those lines, but before I jump fully into that, I mean, how do you even process what happened last Sunday? Was that amazing? For those of you that it's, it's you're visiting or you haven't been here in a while, um, just you'll have to wonder throughout the rest of the time what that means. No, I'm just kidding. No, last Sunday was just amazing, you know, as we, we came to the waters of baptism. And I was here, I sit right there and I look right here in the ring for the heavy baptismal jacuzzi. It's like, it's still indented in the carpet, you know. It's like, I, I thought that would have been funnier to call it the baptismal jacuzzi, right. It's just a little portable jacuzzi thing we put there. Anyways, it didn't have bubbles and it wasn't warm, but... But, but it's still, like, the ring of it is still sitting there. Just as the aroma, the fragrance, the feeling of what God did last Sunday is still present here with us. That as we just shared the gospel, as people responded to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, I think there were 14 total people who came to the waters, and only three of them planned on doing it that day. And, and I think that what happened was... Um, we experienced the, the blessing that was promised in the very sermon of the day is how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters, the family of God, dwells together in unity. And then it says it's like the, the anointing oil, the oil that was poured down Aaron's beard and just dripped all over his garment. It's like the dew of Mount Hermon, right? This refreshing water that's more than just a mist, but that comes consistently and faithfully. And then remember what it said? For there, the Lord commands a blessing. It's as though God can't help but bless it when we're in unity, blessing one another and blessing his name. And so I'm just overwhelmed with the goodness of God. I, I have loved being in this series in the Psalms, and I hope that you have too. And as we were, we were praying about the next step, I, I was thinking about um, uh, one of Paul's letters, and I read through a few of them, and they're all amazing, and they're all awesome. And then I, I, I just thought, no, nah, there's some good stuff there. I was in Romans for a while. Going, How could you go wrong with Romans, especially in today's world? And then you get into Corinthians, and you're like, yep, it all applies. And then I just, but I thought, yeah, this is awesome, and, and we'll get there, and we'll, we'll get through the Bible, but... but I, I, I was just compelled to go back to the Gospels. And I started reading the Gospel of John, and it was like, whoa! 
Like as I was reading the Gospel of John, I've read the Gospel of John before, but I mean, it was so illuminated to me. It was so alive as Jesus makes these powerful claims of that he is God. He says, I am. And every time he goes to say it, they start picking up rocks to kill him because he was literally proclaiming that not only was he the son of God, that he was a part of God and that he came to do these great things. And this Gospel was written so that we might believe and that in believing we might have what? Life, right? And, and so um, that's where we're headed. We're, we're going to head into a series on the Gospel of John. We're just going to go through John, and it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Um, the beauty of, of, of the Psalms is that we've, it, it stirred our hearts. The, the beauty of John is that we get to fall in love all over again with Jesus, that we get to think about Jesus. We get to examine his life. We get to see what he's done. And we get to follow this theme that he calls us to believe. And when we believe, he brings us life. And so, um, man, I, I can't wait to do it. In fact, I'll, I'll read this um, purpose verse, you know, and maybe it's a, for some it would be a key verse to the gospel. It's in John 20, 30, 31. It says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are written in this book. But these are, or excuse me, which are, which are not written in these book, this book. 31, but these are written so that you may believe in Jesus, that he is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so, so that's what's coming. And I just wanted to give you a, a heads up to that. And um, we'll, we'll be, however many weeks, we'll be in it. And it's going to be great. So, because it's God's word. So, let, so today I want to jump back into Psalm 134 and, and bring us to a close with the time that we have remaining. Um, Psalm 134, I'm just going to read it. It's in, in its whole three verse entirety. And here's what it says. It says, Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the holy place and bless the Lord. Verse 3 says, May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made the heavens and the earth. I want you to look, maybe if you can put it back up on the screen, or if you have a Bible with paper, or if you have one that looks like your phone. Um, I want you to look at, at the, the sentences there. And if you could even look at it in its chunk entirety, there's three sentences, and there's something that in all three sentences, there's something common to all three of them. Can anyone see what it is? Um, if you look at the screen, you're only getting one sentence. But if you look at all three, there's something that's common to each one of them. What is it? Bless the Lord, that is true, but it's something really small and subtle, maybe not so subtle, but it's at the end of the sentence. Exclamation point, right? It's at the end of all three. It's just boom, boom, boom. Everything in scripture is there for a reason, even the punctuation. And, and how many of you, when you text, you put an exclamation point after everything? It's like, hey, how you doing? Like, I do that too. If you're feeling like you want to really make sure that like you're up, I'd like to do, do an exclamation point and a smiley face. Not an emoji smiley face because that'd be cheesy. I would do the parenthesis and the colon, right? Just to show that I don't actually use emojis. I use the keyboard to make the smiley face. That's me. So, so it's very intentional. But it always, this exclamation point in a text, it, it, it conveys to the reader that it's like, this is upbeat, Right? There was probably a time when it, that exclamation point conveyed to the reader, I'm ticked off, right? There, there's, like, you put an exclamation point at the end of a sentence, it means like, ugh, right? 
And that would be appropriate to the punctuation as well as it would be appropriate to the punctuation that I'm really excited about something. The exclamation point and exclamation is about the sudden thought. It's about what comes right out of your mouth. And how many of you are scared with what comes right out of your mouth? That's what an exclamation is. It's what happens when you stub your toe. It's what happens when you burn your finger. An exclamation comes out. And it's emphatic and it's quick and you're like, whoa. (laughs) But it's also what happens when you're overwhelmed with joy. It's the wow. It's the seeing something that you've never seen before or seeing it in a different way. It's the, it's the coming into the presence of God and just going, whoa. It's the baptism last Sunday. Whoa. Exclamation. It's interesting, too. Like our friends across the pond in England, they have funny ways to say things. And I'm sure we have funny ways to say things to them. But, but they call in, in like a slang kind of way, they call it a bang. Did you know that? The exclamation point in, in England, in old England, and, you know, and they would call it a bang. They, you know, couldn't you, I, I'm going to totally not fall under the temptation to try to somehow do a British accent right now because it is culturally inappropriate, but, but also because it will come out like some kind of Australia meets Texas or something weird. So, but, but could you in your best British thought accent hear a British school teacher say, put a bang at the end of that sentence? You could just hear it. It just sounds so British. But I thought, it is so appropriate, right? At the, at the exclamation is like, bang. It's, just, it's big. It's loud. And so when you're reading these verses, and when the psalm is ending, the psalm started with, I hate this place. It's terrible. I can't believe I live here. It's violent. Everybody lies. And it ends with, Bless the Lord, right? It ends with loud. It ends with a bang. And so the first part of understanding the end of the psalm and understanding this journey is realizing that we're living that. That the psalms of a sense is really about for us as, as New Testament believers, as Christians, we can go, every 15 of those psalms gives us a little insight into life. Like there are these journeys, these journeys between like, oh, I hate this place to, oh, God, you're so good. I mentioned when I started this series, Eugene Peterson's book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, which covers this, and it's a beautiful book that, that traces that theme for the Christian. And, and, and as he wraps some of this stuff up, he brings some, some insight to us about our own nature, about what we, um, how we respond to something like this. Um, I, I could give you some more psalms, there's lots of them. I'm going to keep going for the sake of time. But if you want to look later, Psalm 104 is a, is a same kind of call to this, this blessing of the Lord and praising God. Actually, I'll just read it. We're here. I, Psalm 104, enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise, give thanks and bless his name. Right? It's the exclamation of gratitude and admiration. That's what it means to bless God. The exclamation of gratitude and admiration. We love to, to I, I, I think we all do, but there's something powerful when we express gratitude to God, and we did it earlier just today. But when we also express admiration, what does that mean? That we joyfully express to God the wonderful things he's done in our lives. I, I, I literally was doing that on my ride over here from home to, to church, 
I was just looking through the city, and I was just highlighted. I, I, I ride my bike to church a lot because I don't live far away, and it, it, for me, it helps me just to slow down. I like to bump into people. I like to, I just like it. I mean, it's just better. So I, I, I was riding through some of the same houses and find myself just bless that home, Lord. Bless that neighbor that, that I, I've met a few times and that family that, that used to come to the church, but they don't come anymore because they don't like me. And, that, and, that, and, and bless them. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but bless them. In, in a very, like, I, and, and the more that I did, I began to think about, like, the, the great things that God's done in our city, the great things that God's done in our lives and, and, and in my life personally and just began speaking that out. And you, you, you feel a change in the environment. You know what it's like to be around people who are filled with bad news all the time. And you know what that does? It like sucks the air out of the room. Hey, did you hear about so-and-so? Did you know what's happening? You know what's coming down the pike? Like, da 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 And even the tone of it is just like... <laughs> and you just feel like all the life just sucked out of you. But when you're around a people of exclamation... And not fake, like, you know, but, but out of the abundance of the heart of the one who knows how to bless God comes blessing. It just can't help but happen. Don't you love joyful people? I love it. People who smile. That smile that's not fake, that joy that's not fake, because it comes from the abundance of knowing how to do what the psalm says, entering his gates with thanksgiving, entering his courts with praise, giving bless. Giving, <laughs> giving bless, giving thanks and blessing his name. Interestingly, the, the very last psalm, the final word in the entire book of the psalms, do you know what it is? Psalm 150, verse 6, do you know what it is? Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. That's the final word in the entire 150 chapters of psalms. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I'm hearing like the Maverick City song. This is why we have breath. You know what I mean? Like, just like, let's praise the Lord. Everything within us. This is what we're called to do. But what's interesting is if you take these three little verses, so you have the call, and, and, and likely what's happening is that the, the, the pilgrims who've gathered for the assembly for that feast have, have now begun to wrap up. They've packed up. They're ready to go home. It's, it's either like super early, you know, road trips or whatever. You always go really early or kind of like late at night to, to make your way through the hot desert. They're packing up and they see the priests and the Levites and they call out to them in gratitude, much like you do when you go to a worship night or when you affirm the ones who've brought a ministry to you. It's like they're cheering them on and they're saying, hey, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. Like, don't give up. This made a difference in our lives. Bless the Lord, you who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Let me ask you a question. How many of you work the night shift? You don't have to raise your hand, but maybe at some point in your life you worked like when everybody else was sleeping. And that's no fun. I mean, it, it, it can be if it's the kind of work where you can also sleep while everybody else is sleeping and get paid for it, but that's not the point of why you're working. So, so this is the night shift, and if there was ever a time that a priest or a Levite didn't feel like lifting his hands in the sanctuary and blessing the Lord, I'd gotta, I've got to believe it's at night when no one's around, when there's no like, yeah, you know, when there's no like, where are all the people at? But this is that moment where your action goes first and your feeling follows. 
And so many times, I think, in, in our call to worship, just in life in general, I mean, think about it. Which, which comes first, your feeling or your behavior? When you feel hungry, what do you do? When you feel thirsty, what do you do? When you feel tired, what do you do? If you can. When you feel like worshiping, when you feel like blessing the Lord, when the temperature is right in the room, when the sound level is sweet, when the right team is up, when all the music instruments are tuned, and it just, man, this feels good. It's like, bless the Lord. But when you've had a rough week, and you had a fight in the car on the way over, and you're, <laughs> and you're ticked off that you're just in general in life, and you see someone that reminds you of someone that you don't like, and, and you come in, and guess what, man? Someone's sitting in your seat. Like, how dare you? <laughs> dare you, people? It's my seat, man. But we, were, we were recalling like one of the worst moments for us is when we were trying to fumble through COVID and, and we like, okay, everybody come back. And then we told you all where to sit, right? Because we were somehow figuring out how to space people. We even, ha- we even picked like our happiest young people to like host you. Like, hey, come here. Would you like to sit here? I mean, it was a rough moment. Don't get me wrong. So I don't blame any of you. But I thought, I, I thought there was going to be a fist fight. I really did. <laughs> Uh, nobody wanted to touch anyone, so it wasn't a problem. Though. I was like, oh. <laughs> when you don't feel like it, you don't want to do it. That's how we're wired in our flesh. But this psalm says something different. This psalm's a reminder to the ones that were leading to say, hey, even at night, lift up your hands in the sanctuary. You know what I think? Um, Eugene Peterson brings this out in his book, too. I think it's so true. I've been there, and I'm sure you have been there, too. Maybe you blew it royally that week. Maybe you blew it royally that day. And you come in, and everything's right, and you're feeling called into worship. And you're like, man, if... And it's like the devil really helps with this. Whispers in your ear, don't even bother singing, you loser. Don't bother singing, because you're a hypocrite if you do, because of this laundry list of what you've done. Don't bother raising your hands. You're just bringing attention to yourself. Don't, don't do it. It's, you know, there's uh, all kinds of memes and stuff about charismatic churches about like when you're just like breaking in to raise your hands, like you start out here. And like, if you feel like no one's looking, you get to here. If you're like, forget it, you're like, wait. <laughs> but the devil loves to mess with us and, and, and kind of like tweak our whole reason for doing what we're doing and get us to this place where it's like, well, I'm not feeling it, so I'm not going to be a hypocrite, so I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to exclaim praises to God because that's just weird if I'm not feeling it. I'm not being authentic. I need to be my true self and do my own true thing and blah, blah, blah. This psalm is completely different. This psalm calls the worshiper to just do it. And, And I was thinking about this, and I know I've said this before, but I was trying to honestly think back in my mind of any risk that I took in worship to express my heart to God, even when I maybe didn't feel like it. I was trying to think of any time that I showed up when I didn't feel like showing up to either a prayer meeting or a worship night or the extra stuff. You know what I mean? Like, "Ah, I'm not feeling it. But I did it anyways. I'm trying to think in my mind if the moment ever occurred where I got back in my truck or got on my bike or, you know, you're thinking like, going, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish I wouldn't have lifted my hands like that. I wish I wouldn't have gone to the prayer meeting. That thought 
I couldn't find a time that I did it. It's, but I could find a time where I was consistently like, oh, God, I'm so glad I showed up to your presence. I'm so glad, Lord, that I, I pushed through. Something breaking up there? Oh, okay. Sorry. So just, don't mind us. That was just me having a conversation with Carl and Cresha while I was preaching. I'm sorry. I mean, don't mind me. Um, but the, 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 the point is this, and I don't want to belabor the point. The point is this call to worship is so um, clear in Scripture, and it's so contrary to our feelings. But in this area and many other areas, you know, Jesus calls you to radical forgiveness. Do you feel like forgiving the person who's wronged you? No, you don't feel like that, but you do forgiveness, and then the behavior follows. Excuse me, the feeling follows. You do the behavior, and then you feel, oh, the, the, the relief. I was talking to somebody this week about uh, forgiveness, and, and they were saying just the freedom that they felt in, in forgiveness. Jesus calls us to radical love. You can read Matthew 5 and 6. It'll mess you up on all these things that you're called to do. Jesus calls you not only to mess you up in a good way. Um, Jesus calls you to radical love to the one who has wronged you. Remember when he says, um, love your enemy and pray for the one who persecutes you. Man, that's tough to do. Does anyone feel like doing that? I don't. But when you do that, when you choose to love the one that hates you, when you choose to forgive the one who's wronged you, the feeling that comes after is supernatural and wonderful. And I would say the same is true of the presence of God and engaging his presence and blessing the Lord, especially when we don't feel like it. Um, Interesting this, uh, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Lifting up your hands is, is a call to action. It doesn't, it doesn't make you more spiritual. I know that people come from different traditions, and, and some traditions are like, you, you just don't do that. I'm, I, and I don't mean this um, sarcastically. I'm not entirely sure why, and, and I, I don't I never looked into it, but I know that there are some traditions that are like, mm-mm, you know? But I know just simple what I read in Scripture about these postures of worship and, and the invitation to do something like, let me just, just humor me for a minute. If, if you just go like this for a second, I mean, squeeze your fists as hard as you can and put them up like this. Is there a feeling that comes? Okay, go, go like this right now. Is there a different feeling that comes? <laughs> You're like, no. We're like, when I do this one, I want to beat someone up. I'm like, oh, I went wrong. No. <laughs> Dang it, it didn't work. No. <clears throat> You, your, your posture and your, your choice to, to do something, to do something beyond your feeling causes a, a different feeling to happen, right? And, and just doing this isn't magic. It's not magic, but it, it puts you in a different place. I mean, this is way more vulnerable than this, you know? This is like, God, here I am. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary one of the versions, I think this one says, lift up your hands to the sanctuary. It's the acknowledgement of the place of the presence of God. This is where I lift my hands to. The lifting of hands, as we've said before, is, is surrender, and it's also acceptance, right? And, and I, I, I find myself man, so many times just like as a choice of my will just going, oh, I'm going to get them way up there because it's not about what I want people to see me doing, but it's about my posture before God saying, I choose this in this moment, especially if I don't feel like it and I want to break through in it. And so I, I think you get the point. I hope you get the point. But the application is the enemy loves to hold you to that place of feeling like if I'm not 
authentically feeling like doing it, I'm faking my worship. You're not faking your worship. You're choosing to get beyond the feeling into a place of fact, into a place of behavior that will shift the way that you see yourself, but especially the way that you see God. It's a, it's a choice. Um, the last, and this is where I'll, I'll wrap up, the, the flow of these psalms is, you know, come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. This is, again, the idea of the pilgrims or the worshipers saying this on their way out, you know, keep it up, guys. But then there's a response, and this is the response from the priests. The response is, may the Lord bless you from Zion. May he who made the heaven and the earth. Um, the scholars would say that the, the, the structure of that sentence is a, is a reference or an allusion back to the, the, the blessing that Moses was taught to. This is how you teach Aaron and the rest of the priests to, to bless, right? This is what you do. You, you know it is this. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine about you and give you peace, be gracious to you, right? It was a, it was a way that the priests would bless the people. And so um, this is what's happening in, in response. But what's happening in a, like a bigger picture, which I think is really amazing, is that, remember, they came from feeling like everything's terrible, and now we got to go to the place where we get God's presence. And now what the priest is saying is God's presence goes with you. So now you take what you have, what you've received here and take this blessing and go to that violent place. Go to that place where people lie and be a, be a, a, take God's presence with you into that. And you know what? For these guys, it was every three months. It was like, okay, that blessing seems to have worn out. Let me get back in. But you, you're different. Because of Jesus, because of his grace, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. That presence abides in you all the time. And so that acknowledgement, does this make sense? Man, it's huge for me. I didn't know if I was going too long or something, but it's huge. It's huge. God can, can bless you from, from this place. He can bless you, according to scripture, what we're reading. He could, he could bless them from Jerusalem, right, where they went. But, but he's also different than all the pagan gods of that area. All the pagan gods that, that were in contrast to our God in the Old Testament, they were all gods of localities. That meant that they could only bless from this place or that place. God can bless you anywhere, anytime, any place. There's no spot too dark. There's no place too distant that God, God's presence cannot go. And I think that that is a, a point that, um, that is so important. And I think that's where that Psalm 150, you know, is let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Not only is it important that we willfully or break past our emotion and feeling to exclaim and to bless God um, for just our own sake, for our own lives, but it's important for your neighborhoods, it's important for your city, it's important for your schools, it's important for your state, it's important for your nation, our nation, our place. Because what's profound about the life of the believer is that we learn from Scripture that God inhabits the praises of His people. You're carrying God's presence. You're thinking, no, not me. I, I didn't go to seminary. I've never even done the extra stuff at church. I just come for the Sunday morning stuff. Not me. No, you, me, all of us, that, that 
when we, when we praise him, he literally, like, that's why you feel so filled. Like, you're, he's filling your cup. And it's not just to put a spring in your step. It's to, to, to give you what you need to be light in dark places. Can we read this psalm really quick? Psalm 22, um, verses 3 and 5. It says, Yet you are holy, and you're enthroned on the praises of Israel. Some of the other versions would say, God dwells in our praises. In you, our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were rescued. In you they trusted and they were not put to shame. We don't always have to come to the sanctuary to receive God's blessing, but there's something special that happens when, when we're corporately worshiping like this, that, that we leave with what we need to get through the week and we come back. But there's also the reality that we're carrying the presence of God with us, that he is inhabiting the praises of his people. And so I, I, I want to come to a close. I, I want to invite the team to come back because I think the only appropriate way to end a message like this is to do what the message says, right? The message is to bless the Lord. The message comes with exclamation. It's, it's a choice, right? It's a choice to to express our heart, to express our gratitude to God. It's a choice to, to, to tell of the wonders of what God has done in our lives and what he's done around us. It's a shift in perspective. And it's not just so that we're like, oh man, I feel so good. It's because it invites the presence of God into our lives so that we can carry that presence to a world that needs it. How many of you know people who need it? I think like giving the four spiritual laws and leading them to Christ is awesome. So I don't mean it when I say it in any way with disrespect. But they don't just need the four spiritual laws. They need the presence of God so that they understand the four spiritual laws. Are you following with me? They need a people who are willing to love radically. Like, yeah, I know you don't like me right now, but now you're going to just be super sick of me because I love you. <laughs> they need a people who who when, when somebody has wronged somebody else, chooses forgiveness. Even though they've wronged you, you choose to release forgiveness. That stuff only comes through the presence of a mighty God who's filling your life even in this moment. And so if you're looking for some from takeaways today, I, I've just put a, a little list together. The first takeaway is that we just simply are called to bless and to praise God. But to bless him is to praise him. Again, God doesn't need you to do him a solid because he's having a bad day. God is good. He's all-powerful, but he invites you into a relationship where he fills you when you bless him, right? And that's calling out praise. And as I said before, adoration to God, exclaiming um, gratitude and adoration to God. Praise is an exclamation of gratitude and admiration. Um, The third point is that Feeling is not to drive my action to praise, right? My feeling is not to drive my action to praise. Praise is to shape my feeling. Think about that for a second. Praise is to shape the way I feel. I choose to do it so that I feel differently, not I feel differently so I'm not going to do it. Fourth, God is enthroned or he dwells in our praises. Man, that would be a sermon enough. I pray that that thought process stays with you, that you carry something. 
You carry an authority. You carry, you carry healing. You carry hope. You carry the presence of God because he's enthroned in your praises. And last and the final one is God is not limited by location. He can show up here. He can show up at your house. He can show up in your car. He can show up on your bike ride. He can show up on your walk. He can show up when your two-year-old's screaming. He can show up when you're, you're frustrated for any given reason in life. He can show up because he's not limited by our emotions nor our location. He has no limits. So bless the Lord. Psalm 150, I'm going to read this in the message translation. I think it's cool. This is is the final of the entire book of Psalms, as I read earlier in the ESV. It says, praise God in his holy house of worship. And also praise him under the open skies. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his magnificent greatness. Praise him with a a blast on the trumpet. Praise him by strumming soft strings. Praise him with the castanets and, and dance. Praise him with the banjo and the flute. Praise him with cymbals and the bass drum. Praise him with the fiddles and the mandolin. Let everything that has breath, let every, sorry, let every living, breathing creature praise God. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. Amen. I realize sometimes in our worship, we don't know, are we supposed to sit down or stand up or what are we doing here? Uh, We like to say there's freedom to do whatever you feel compelled and led to do. But in this case, if you're able to, I want to ask you to stand up. I want to ask you to stand if you can so that we can have a a unified voice. As they lead us in this song, um, would you just find joy in the house of the Lord? Uh, Maybe you're not a hand lifter. Give it a try. You can go here. You can go there. You can go all the way there. Whatever posture you find, bless the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's do it.
I'd like to read this blessing over you. I've already said it, but you might want to just close your eyes and just receive the blessing that the, the priest gave in response to the call that the people made to worship, the encouragement that they gave in its entirety would have been something like this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And God, that is my prayer for your people today. That just as the, the, the pilgrims on this Psalms of Ascent's journey, they began their journey weary. They returned home overwhelmed by the blessing of God as they blessed you. God, may we take the joy that's in this house. May we take the presence that um, is, is in us and the abiding that you have in your praises. May we take that out into our places where we live. May you encourage your people now, I pray in your precious name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. God bless you.